Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the LA Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the LA Lakers, now only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Brick layers and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. You know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door's supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amari Hawkins. I appreciate you rocking with me on this Monday as we recap. The Wahoos versus the Tar Heels. Hold on. Okay. You ever notice when you be talking, you feel like you got a burp or something and it gets stuck and lodged in your chest? That's what just happened. But we're going to recap the Who's and the Heels that took place Saturday night down there in Chapel Hill. Before we get started, salute to my sponsor, Able Insurance. Go to ableinsurance.net for all your insurance needs. That's home business auto and life insurance able insurance service in the state of virginia for over 20 years holler at billing billy and charlene why well, i said billing billy and charlene white the good people at able insurance been rocking with the ball hawk show podcast since it began years ago i know you've seen the commercials if you're here in Charlottesville, you also heard the commercials on uh 101.3 and also wina they always been rocking with the Ball Hawk Show. And uh, make sure y'all go to CrowCookies.com. CrowCookies.com. Anytime you want to talk some trash and you want to bet, don't bet money. Bet Crow Cookies because losing never tastes so good. CrowCookies.com. And also, STHUJuice.com. That's my own company. Me. I Yes, I got I to gotta sponsor myself. Make sure you go to STHUJuice.com. I got new hoodies dropping, so be on the lookout. And majority of the shirts that I make, I can make them into hoodies as well. You can just email me, theballhawk9 at gmail. Hit me up on Twitter at IamBallHawk, Instagram at IamBallHawk. And you can go to AmadHawkins.com, and you can reach me through email on that site as well for all the walkthrough, which Abra Insurance also sponsors. So let's jump right into it, man. We got through all the pleasantries. Now let's get to the game. If this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe. So what we usually do is we break down the numbers of what took place 
each game because I have, you know, a select few. Well, I have a, you know, pocket of fans who love numbers and love to crunch them and the analytic parts of the game to try to better paint uh, a picture in which can help them understand uh, why the game ended the way in which it did. And then I get into my analytical part when I break down the game schematically, what was going on. And then you got your little soapbox moment. And that's not every episode when something's bothering me and, you know, I get it off my chest. Um, Last week I did actually a rant podcast and it, 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 it was starting off as an analytical podcast, but I had a lot of stuff I had to get off my chest and uh, turn it to the rant. So y'all got two for one last week. You got a rant podcast and then you got a calm podcast. But this one's going to be, we're going to call this the calm and excited podcast because the Wahoos definitely did their thing. Coming to this game, nobody, not not nobody, but us, but the majority of the fan base felt like we wouldn't win this game because of how the offense has looked since the second quarter of Notre Dame. You know, so everybody had a cause to pause and how Louisville, we, we struggled versus Louisville with, with Bryce Knee banged up and the lack of creativity from Dr. Anai. Everybody just felt like Notre Dame was going to beat the brakes off us. And everybody was like, UVA will probably barely win seven games now this year and Virginia Tech is going to beat UVA for the 16th time guaranteed now and I don't know what game like everybody was being super negative because in sports it's week to week and depending on how you played the game before is how your confidence will be on display leading up to your next game so going to Keenan Stadium Versus North Carolina, a team that had the most plays of over 20 yards in the ACC this year. They had 49, and they kept that trend going this game because they are a big play squad. So we won by a score of 38 to 31. We outscored them in the first quarter. We outscored them in the third quarter. When you looked at them on paper, they struggled in the second and third quarter. They were outscored all season in the second and third quarter, and then they outscored their opponents by 40-plus points. In the fourth quarter, UVA held them scoreless in the fourth quarter. Now, granted, we were scoreless as well. So we put up 38 points, and we did that in three quarters versus North Carolina. They put up 31 points, and they did it three quarters versus our stout defense. And when you look at the first downs, we had 28 first downs. They had 25. Net rushing, they came into the game averaging close to 100, and I want to say 100 and – was it 163 or 168? But, you know, they averaged close to, you know, over 160. They had 186. We came in averaging just over 100. We had 134. So both teams eclipsed their average as far as rushing coming to the games. The plus for us, we had 32 attempts, meaning we showed some type of investment into the running game. They had 39 attempts. I said in the pregame show that even though, Everybody gave a lot of love to Sam Howell. The thing about North Carolina that went unnoticed is that they had um, 30 more rush attempts than they had passing attempts. So they were actually like Louisville. They were running the ball to set up the pass. And that's why that's how they generate big plays through the air. Um, Net passing, UVA had 383 to UNC's 353. And that's the biggest thing that nobody saw coming. 383 yards passing on 40 attempts while 
North Carolina only attempted 29. So it took us 31 completions to generate 381 yards. It took them 15 completions to generate 353 yards. Total offense, UNC was the first team to go over 400 yards of total offense versus this defense this year. They have 539 yards of total offense. And UVA had 517 yards of total offense. UVA ran 72 total plays. UNC ran 668 total plays. Average yards per play, UVA averaged 7.2 yards per play, while UNC averaged 7.9 yards per play. UVA had one penalty. It was a delay game penalty. UNC has six penalties for 46 yards. Uh, when you look at time of possession, UVA led the way 33 minutes, 38 seconds. UNC 26 minutes, 22 seconds. UVA won the possession time of possession each quarter. Nine minutes the first quarter, eight, eight, then eight. UNC had the ball just five minutes the first quarter, then six, six, and six. Um, third down conversions, both teams were seven of 13. UVA was 101 on fourth down with a little trickeration. And UNC was 0 for 3 on third downs. UVA was 5 of 5 in the red zone with four touchdowns. I'm going to say this one more time. UVA scored four touchdowns in the red zone on the road. That's something that they haven't done since the pit game. Or Notre Dame they threw that we was in, in yeah, we scored Notre Dame in the red zone. So since the Notre Dame first half versus Miami, what Duke we did too, but on the road versus Miami and Louisville, trash can't you? No, even versus Louisville, we scored in the red zone. I take that back. Tyler Papa scored. But anyway, we scored more than once and more than twice. We scored four touchdowns. We actually held them scoreless as far as touchdowns in the red zone. They were just one of three. We had two sacks. They had three sacks. Um, when you look at individual stacks, we start with Bryce Perkins. 24 carries for 131 yards. That was his gain. He lost 19 yards on the sacks. So he had a net of 112 yards. So if, if you throw out the three sacks, he actually had 21 carries for 112 yards and two touchdowns. That's how I look at it because when he gets sacked, it's, it's counted as a rushing attempts, and sack yards actually hurt rushing yards. So I always want to make sure fans know that when you look at total team rushing yards, they add in the negative yards from sacks. And also, he took a couple knees at the end of the game. So that messed up his overall yards and average. But um, so I'm going to just say he had basically because he took two knees at the end. He got sacked twice. So I'm going to say, what's that? I'm going to say he had 19 carries for, if I count the knees, I think he had 19 carries for like 116 because he lost like two yards on both knees and two touchdowns. That's what I'm going to say. Tyler Papa had five carries for 21 yards, and P.K. Kyer had one carry for five yards, and that was an impressive five yards because he ran over um, Chad Surratt, who – that, he's a big I, – I like that dude as, as a linebacker for UNC. Uh, Javante Williams has 16 carries for 98 yards. Michael Carter had 14 carries for 87 yards. That dynamic duo was like that. And I'm going to talk about their running game in, in the next segment. Uh, passing, Bryce Perkins, 30 completions to 39 attempts, 378 yards, three touchdowns. 
Sam Howell, 15 of 29, 353 yards, four touchdowns. Receiving, Terrell Jenner had a career, a career night, 13 catches, nine of those in the first half. 146 yards. Hasis Dubois, the big body bully, had six catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Joe the Machine Reed had six catches, 55 yards. Tanner, what would I say? I had a nickname for the tight ends. Oh, crap. Man, I had a nickname for the tight ends for TE, and I just lost my train of thought. But maybe it's because I was going to use it on the walkthrough. Um, if if we get Cowley to come on or one of the tight ends. Um, but, um, yeah, Tanner Cowley had three catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Tavares Kelly had one catch, well, the little flip to, to him, one catch, 21 yards. And Grant had one catch, six yards, and a touchdown. And Tyler Popper had one catch, five yards. Um, Brown, for, <laughs> Brown for UNC has six catches, 202 yards, Three touchdowns. And when I see that man got some speed on him, good God, that boy could fly. Daz Newsom had four catches, 65 yards. Uh, Green had two catches, 62 yards in the touchdowns. Bo Corrales, two catches, 11 yards, and a couple of drops. And Groves, one catch, 13 yards. Man, I just forgot what I was going to say T.E. still for. I, I got to make sure I write that down when I when – I, uh, yeah. But anyway, um, anything else I want to talk about? Oh, defensively, Charles Snowden led the way with eight tackles. Zane had seven. Noah Taylor had six. Jordan Mack had five. Jawan Briggs, four tackles, one sack, his first sack of his career. Salute to him. Actually, on the first play from scrimmage at UNC, first play from scrimmage, period, he had that sack. Um Manny Alonzo had four tackles, two tackles for a loss. He was he was getting in the backfield a lot. Uh, Joey Blunt had three tackles. Nick Jackson, three tackles. Moore, three tackles. Grant, three tackles. Eli Handback, three tackles. A sack and a tackle for a loss. Uh, Famui had three tackles. Devontae Cross, two tackles. Richard Burney, two tackles. Gam, two tackles. Griffin. Nash Griffin had a tackle. Oh, on a punt return. And Jalen Baker and Hayden Mitchell both had a tackle. Uh, Chaz Surratt. Had 15 tackles to lead the way for North Carolina. He was everywhere. And if you don't know, Chad Surratt is the brother of the Surratt that plays for Wake Forest. They're big-time receiver number 14. They brothers. Yo, so that's a nice little lineage right there. But those are the stats I got for you right there. And any notes? Uh, some player notes to Rare Jenner finished with a career high 13 catches. He surpassed his previous career high of seven in the first half. Holding nine in the first half. It's the first you. It's the first time a UVA player has had ten plus receptions in the game since the Belk Bowl, in which Alamade had twelve. Uh, Bryce Perkins passed current UVA receiver coach Marcus Hagens for number five all time at UVA in career total offense. Perkins now has six thousand one hundred and seventy one yards. All right, let's get to the analytical part because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't like the podcast episodes to be that long as far as data. Let's get to let's let's start let's start with the offense first because look, man, Coach Nye's been under fire from the fan base. Um, the offensive line been under firepower, uh, under fire with the fan base. Just last week, people were questioning if if uh, 
Bryce Perkins should remain the starter because he's beat up and it might be time to give Brendan Armstrong a chance. And it was a lot of narratives created because it was a lot of worry because the offense didn't look efficient, consistent. Anything that you want to put out there, it was not living up to the billing. And it, people were saying that the, the, the season was a disappointment because the numbers say that the like when you look at the numbers, the data – says the offense been trash can juice if you are somebody that's that that's not privy to looking at games and you can only look at stats you'll be like their offense is trash can juice point blank period right you got somebody like me who sees the game through a different lens and i see all the moving parts and i like numbers but i don't really hang my hat on numbers i hang my hats on the film that i break down and I and I watch a lot of film. That's why I'm not a huge I'm not a huge proponent. Like stats is not something you're gonna see me just quote on Twitter or quote on my podcast unless I'm just sharing with you to paint a picture for you if that's your thing. But me, I look at film, 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 film. I'm looking at down the distance. I'm looking at at the fronts. I'm looking at what we run. Like I'm looking at so many things that stats is like the last thing that I really worry about. So I understand the folks that look at stats and they have some trepidation when it comes to the offense. My main thing all season has been how we attack defenses and how we adjust to a defense adjusting and how we stay the course and the variety that we use with our playmakers. So when you go into this game, being on the air with Dave came my first time being the color commentary, filling in for, for my mentor, uh, Tony Covington. The one thing I noticed was that UVA was playing with tempo because as Dave was breaking down the plays, as soon as he would, you know, finish up what he was saying as far as what just happened and was trying to kick it to me to provide more in-depth analysis on what he said, we were ready to snap the ball again. So if all I kept saying was, Virginia going with tempo. So that was the first thing that jumped in my head. So if we're going with tempo, and you've been a UVA fan for years, think about what tempo is doing or what tempo is eliminating that you see every game. I'll give you a couple seconds. What does our offense do after every play? We sub in packages, different groupies coming in. You know what I'm saying? You usually see the receivers go off and two new receivers coming in or one new receiver going. Like somebody's coming on and off after every single play. And this was one of the first games that I can remember probably since I think the bowl game we didn't use that many uh, package variations. It didn't allow North Carolina to have an opportunity to look at the sideline to kind of get their call because we were lined up on the line of scrimmage and nobody was subbing in and out. We were just attacking them. Now, granted, um, if I'm looking for sure, let me see that first drive. I don't think we scored off the first drive. I think we punted. Yeah, we ran six plays for 18 yards, right? But that just demonstrated to me that it was going to be a wrinkle. Yes, we were incorporating Bryce Perkins. Yes, we were going back to our short passing game to get him in the rhythm. But it just showed that to me was like a true indicator like, oh, it's going to be different this game. This gonna, it, okay, it's going to be different. But, of course, if you're looking at it from home, you can't really identify that because all you see is the results, right? Six plays, 18 yards, we punted, God dang it, come on, Coach. Nah, not today, right? Not today. We stop them three and out. They punt. We get the ball. We go six plays, and we punt. They get the ball. Um, they, they had a nice 
you know, quick throw on Jalen Baker. We missed the tackle. Um, we hustle, get him down. Devontae Cross, he comes from the other side of the field. He chases down Brown, who's who has elite speed. And um, we, make, we make them set a four field goal. So that's a win for us. And then we come out that second drive, and we, we get into it. You playing man-to-man, we're going to run hammer routes. You playing man-to-man, we're going to run back shoulder routes. You playing man-to-man, we're going to motion. We're going to put Joe in the backfield. We're going to see what you're going to do and how you're going to adapt to our ability to window dress. When we window dress you, what are you going to do? When we send somebody in motion, what are you going to do? And what Bryce started seeing is they were sending a backer out. When we send Joe out, there's one less guy in the box. That means we know it's man-to-man. Let me just make sure I can identify where the overload is at. And I'm going to go from there. And though Bryce was running the ball, he might be getting just three yards here, four yards there. You do realize that's that's still setting things up. The fact that he was being aggressive when he was running with the ball. Like, he was Bryce. He was the Bryce Perkins that everybody fell in love with. Like, the burst was back. The sudden quickness was back. The power has always been there, even with the knee injury. But you saw a pissed off of greatness in him early. He was being like when he tucked it, it wasn't I'ma tucking and try to look for a hole. It was I'ma tuck and I'm going straight. Full speed. And then we started incorporating so many different things from the short motions, from coming in tight with Hasees hitting DNs to get the ball to Tyler Popper going away, to coming in tight again and then running mesh routes with Hasees. Like everything that we did, we had two counters off of it. For line, lining up Cowley at the H back. To chipping and going out, chipping and going out, and then chipping and going up the seam, chipping and going out for the pop pass. We we put Hasis in the slot, had him on the seam route, get a big play on that. So then we got Hasis lining up tight, lining up tight. Then we had him in the backside in the goal line. He's lined up tight going into halftime. Uh, Dave was saying, "Hey man, UVA needs a score here." So we kept lining up Hasis tight. We ran a spot route with him. Then we line him up tight again. We run the mess route, meaning he runs the under route underneath the empire, all, all umpire all the way across. And then he lines up tight again, and they're thinking, okay, he's running across the field. He's running across the field. He go, takes an inside release to the receiver, and it's just a goal. It's just a, a bang. It's not even a bang eight because he didn't go towards the safety. Basically, we call it a numbers route. You just run up the field and show your numbers. And Bryce just threw it to him. And he plucked the ball in front of one of their big corners, number 15. But he was allowed to line up tight because he had been lining up tight and doing different things the entire game. Then we go into Jana, to the boundary, going to Jana in the field. Then we sneak Jana into, into the, to the slot. And lo and behold, since Bryce had just scored earlier on a long run, they had to bring a safety down. So they bring the so that so we got Hasis to the field now, so they got their best safety over top of Hasis because Hasis been killing them over the top with his with his strong hands, and now we got we done snuck Jana to the slot. They didn't recognize that, so they got a linebacker on Jana on a scene route, and Bryce throws a nice pass. Now it wasn't the dime that everybody's looking for because he wasn't able to catch it over the shoulder and run, but it was a catchable ball for his receiver and was a big explosive play. If you look at you look at our offense, we had and our touchdown and all our scoring drives, 70 yards, 76 yards, 78 yards, 75 yards, 85 yards, 75 yards. We haven't had that type of 
scoring drive in yards since the fourth quarter of the Florida State game. I mean, we had a two-play 75-yard drive, a five-play 75-yard drive. We had two 13-play drives that ended in touchdowns. We had a 13-play 78-yard drive before the half that took a minute and 47 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. A minute and 47 seconds, we went 78 yards in 13 plays. 13 plays, one minute, 47 yards. And then you follow that up with a two-play 75-yard strike coming out of halftime. Then you follow that up with a seven-play 85-yard touchdown drive. Then you follow that up with a five-play 75-yard touchdown drive. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We scored on six of our first eight possessions. UVA's offense did. UVA scored four, had four straight touchdown drives. Four straight. Four straight touchdown drives. Four. Four. You would have thought that was UNC's offense. Now UNC got some big plays, right? Now hold on, let me let me hold on before I go to defense, cause we we gotta do this. We gotta do this. We've been dogging the offense, so you gotta salute the damn offense. If you was talking bad about the offense, you gotta sip shut the hell up juice for a little while, just for a little while, just for a little while. And I know a lot of y'all want to be petty, be like, "Well, let's see what they do the next game, but hunk, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not sold just yet." You don't got to be sold just yet, but what you got to do is sip a little bit. And you go to crowcookies.com and eat you some crow cookies. They some good cookies. Tell them Ballhawk sent you. I'm telling you. We, 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 we got we to gotta keep it G like the boys said. We got to keep it G. We can't just sit here and gloss over how impressive the offensive, how impressive they was from a schematic standpoint, from execution standpoint, and how those boys competed. The tough catches that Jana made, his ability to get open. The tough catches that Hasiz made, his ability to get open. The tough running after the catch that Joe Reed had. The ability to incorporate the tight ends. Both tight ends scored. And when Greg and when and when um and when Grant scored, he was in the, he was in the reduced uh split like Hasiz was, and they just let him run wide open on a cross route. They just disregarded him. Just disregarded him. And that was a mess, route. You had Jana over the top, a natural pick play. So you had Cowley going to the post. We call it a look route. Then you had Jana coming on the mess route underneath him. It's a natural pick. And the guy that jammed Cowley just lost Grant coming from the backside because they was they was combo. They was passing guys off. You can see the field corner passing them off. And Tyler Papa came out on a wheel route. So when he saw Tyler Papa coming on the wheel route, he stayed. I mean, give it up to Coach Anon, man. Everything that people have been saying, he took heed to it. I saw him take a little wrinkle for what Wake Forest does in their offense and he implemented implemented this game. So, look, man, we got to – hey, Dr. Anon, salute to you, champ. Salute to you for not busting the timber tantrum because everybody was coming at you. But, but take it upon yourself being a professional like, yo, I got to step my game up. They need me. We beat up on defense. They need me. This was the game the offense had to win for us. Because I'm going to talk about this North Carolina offense, and it's legit. It's official like a referee whistle. Offensive line, clean pockets. I know they had a couple sacks. 
Offensive line, you're doing a tremendous job, man. Y'all met as a unit, Coach 2J. Y'all held each other accountable. Amen. Salute to y'all. Salute to y'all. From the Notre Dame game and giving up sacks and strip sacks and people saying y'all trash and we got to max protect, we got to do this. And I always said we didn't have to max protect. I felt like y'all did better when the box was cleaner, when less people was in the box. But even with, with the max pro now, y'all do y'all thing. Backs, y'all doing a great job of stepping up and helping out. We're not getting you guys matched up on ends anymore. We're allowing y'all to protect the A-gaps. and come. I saw Cowley cut down a, a linebacker. I saw... Uh, Tyler Papa, Peacock's in the backfield a lot more, providing protection. I I just like what I'm seeing as far as how we're lining guys up, getting the matchups that he want. And the receivers, y'all just competing. Bryce, you throwing better balls. You was confident. You was stepping up. You were climbing the pocket. You wasn't tucking the ball and trying to get out, do the Tony Romo, and get out the tackle box out the back door. You were sliding up in the pocket. Look, dynamic quarterbacks are their most dangerous. When it's when they're climbing the pocket, when they're coming towards the line of scrimmage, because you're going to get a reaction from the linebackers. They are going to react. They gotta react to you, bro. Even if Bryce is getting three yards when he's tucking and run, that's a positive. That's keeping the 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 that's keeping us in front of the sticks. It's second and manageable, third and manageable. We could run so much more like that. So when folks think, oh, man, we, he's running, getting hit, as long as he's not taking super violent hits and he's getting down, when you got a quarterback who's rushing up the field, it messes with the, it messes with the defense. So salute to the offense, man. We, if, you, if you've been a coach, a nigh killer, you got to kill that noise and sip the shut the hell up juice. Um, defensively, I'm not going to come down on the defense because of the yards because I'm a realist. And looking at this, looking at North Carolina coming to the game, I said our defense was gonna have to pack their lunch. And when news came out that Brent Nelson was hurt, and you had Jalen Baker starting and and cross moving to the nickel, this was an offense that would expose the loss of not only a Bryce Hall but also Bratton, but also that cross is not a deep safety. And I will say Chris Moore did a, did a good job of playing in deep safety, but. Here's what here's what took place, right? So you got Baker playing in the field, first year, thrown into the five versus one of the elite speed receivers in the ACC in Brown, a dude who could pick him up and put him down as a big play receiver, came in with five receiving touchdowns, second on the team and receiving. We North Carolina's coming out, they're running the ball. What they're doing is a check with me, they're counting. You got five to six guys in the box, we're going to run because we're leaving the backside in unaccounted for and even the linebackers up at the line of scrimmage he has to take quarterback because if he dives in the quarterback can pull it and run so they counting five six run seven pass eight we definitely passing so they just counting depending on if they got a tight end they got a tight end in the box they could get away with seven or eight because if they just running some type of zone or stretch away, they can leave guys unblocked on the backside. They don't have to get next level to that backside backer because they can just form a wall. And if the backer flows too quickly, he get, he's getting the ball so deep in the backfield that he could just cut back in the backside B gap, which they did a couple of times. So North Carolina is a team that they have a tendency. They run to their right 
right guard, 6'7", right tackle, 6'7", over 300 bills. Then they pull the guard and the tackle from the backside. It's a lot of horses coming down here. And they're going to run right. The Tennessee, if you look at the, go back and look at the game and tell me how many times they truly run left. Majority of the time, they are running right. And I mean running right down your throat. And they got a big, and Wilms is a, is, a, is a guy that has strong trunk area, strong thighs, and he make you pay for running into him. So, yes, we started missing tackles. Joey Blunt had three tackles. He probably missed more than the tackles that he got, but you can't fault the kid because that's a big back. And, yes, we always say, damn, Joey, make that tackle. But I'm sitting on the, in the booth like, yeah, he missed a tackle, but that's not I like that kid that's running the ball, not nice. Like, sometimes you tip, you got to, as a, as, a, as a realist, you got to tip your hat. And that offense was legit. And Howell was going to be a problem. He's already a problem, but he's going to be a problem these next couple years. It's a run, it's a run with me. It's a it's a check with me. Go back and look at the film. If the back is to his left, look at to re, look at the receiver to the left. He's running the route. Then look at the receivers to the right. They really not running the route. The inside receiver may run a looky route, but the outside receiver just running up the field. So it's a check with me. Because a couple of times that Daz Newsom thought he was open, but he had already given the ball to the running back. So it's tough. So they force you to. Um, beat them with just your base guys in the box. If you put extra guys, now they're saying, hey, you must think your DBs are nice. And the DBs, it was tough because they were having reduced splits, meaning typically most receivers are lined up on the numbers or to the bottom of the numbers, right? They were lining up, they were splitting the difference between the hash and the numbers. And then they actually started lining up on the hash, which was super tight. Now, me being in the NFL and playing in the Arena Football League and being around a lot of pros, I know how to defeat a real reduced split. I'm a, I'm a rank a clamp type of coverage, meaning that's if I have a safety. But now I'm, I'm older and more advanced that if somebody lines up reduced, I'm going to line up outside shade and I'm going to attack that outside shoulder. I'm going to anchor it, anchor the outside and force the inside release, but I'm going to maintain upfield shoulder position, right? So the play in which Devontae Cross missed the tackle and they scored, he was showing press versus a reduced split. At the snap of the ball, he bailed. He opened his hips and he bailed. And when he bailed, the kid just ran a, like a five-yard stop, five-yard hitch, hammer, anything you want to say. Uh, but what Devontae did was instead of breaking outside in, he broke. He came down to his inside shoulder. And the kid spun out, got away from Devontae. And this was right – this was a play – Right after Devontae let him get outside before, but happened to get a you know grab his jersey and push him out of bounds, and the kid broke for a long play. So then you flip to when he got beat on the post, it was just his technique, it was just his pedal. He allowed the receiver to uh, close his cushion fast, and doing this transition from his pedal to flipping his hips, the receiver gave him a hint, meaning meaning a head nod to the outside to hold that back foot from planting violently, and then he took it to the post. Now, Devontae did what I would have did, too. He undercut it, the post immediately. But that young man had so much elite speed that he just ran away from him. And the quarterback did a great job of throwing it away. If you remember when Joe Reed had the North Carolina receivers beat on a post route, Bryce actually threw it 
like you should. He threw it as an over route. He threw it towards the sideline. And Joe kept it skinny up to the pylon. Anytime you beat a corner and you get across their face quick, you want to kind of run away from them. And then if the quarterback throws you up the field, you can fade late because the the DB is going to take your path. So the fact that Brown went flat, Devontae went flatter to undercut him. And when he undercut him and Howard threw such a good ball, he threw it away from Devontae and Brown went and got it. That's a kid with elite speed. Now, if that was a, if that was a receiver with iffy speed, Devontae would have undercut it and he would have picked it off. Like only – Brown was going to get to that ball. He threw a dime. But that was just technique. When Jalen Brown got beat on his post and he had Devontae underneath him, he flipped the wrong way. Like, with that reduced split, even if you're a man-to-man and you open up, you can still put your butt to the sideline and use your crossover because he's so tight that even if he goes outside of you, you could just look and lean him. Like you're already open up to the inside, your butt's to the sideline. If he attacks your butt and goes out to your back, you don't have to basically turn. All you got to do is just angle and you're basically running to him because you're already on top of him. And what Jalen did was he got kind of confused in how he wanted to flip. He flipped initially with his butt to the inside, and then he had to flip back again. And once he did that, it was cancel Christmas. It was just technique. And that's going to come. You know, the more they get reps. Um, and, and you live and you learn, and it's not the end of the world because North Carolina has a legit offense. Like like I said, Sam Howell was a problem. What they were doing schematically is tough, um, and they were attacking the place that we were injured the most. It was really hard to try to send guys at Howell just because they had those noun routes, just routes that – it's going to eliminate the blitz because they give you the same action. Like the belly, a pass off the belly. The quarterback, to keep it off the belly. Like I said, coming to the game, they give you the same look on everything and you just don't know if it's a run or a pass. And you, like I said, tip your hat to North Carolina. Legit offense. There is nothing to frown about. People say, oh, our secondary got to do better. Yeah, as a competitor, you either get better, you get worse. But you also got to identify what the hell UNC was doing and just say, yeah, yo, that's a legit offense, but it's a great teaching tool because Devontae can learn off his mistakes. It's fixable. Nino, he can learn that, hey, Howard just made a great throw. You was looking lean in the receiver. The receiver did a great job of maintaining his spacing by keeping himself on the numbers. He was allowed to fade back and make that catch. Nino did all – they do ran a stop and go on Nino. He was the third read. Nino was even with him. He was looking and leaning, but the thing is, that receiver did a great job of not taking himself out of the throw. Meaning a lot of receivers, when they get stop and go, they try to get so wide that they allow the DB to trap them on the sideline. He didn't. He stayed on the bottom of the numbers. And when you go back and people say a ball hugger's pass interference, it's not, pass, it's not offensive pass interference because they were jousting. Nino was grabbing his arm. Man, we done seen Hasis throw people down. I'm never going to be the one to scream interference. Joey Blunt got pushed down by Daz Newsom. He fell and tripped him up. You had their fans screaming for interference. Joey was screaming for offensive interference. At the end of the day, man, you got to fight for the ball. And that's what I love about Hasis. He's going to fight for the ball. He's going to destroy you to get to that rock. So, yeah, man, this podcast is a little long. We're almost 40 minutes. So, um, yeah, man, so salute. To, to just the team overall, um, our defense is beat up in the secondary. Um, North Carolina is going to be the best offense, I think, that we see all season. 
Um, no, uh, Georgia Tech's not going to do triple option no more. They will throw the ball now, and I'll break them down uh, Thursday when I release the pregame on that. Uh, but we needed this win. We we ended out being two and two on the road. Oh no, two and three. Yeah, we're two and three on the road. We beat Pitt, North Carolina, then we lost to Notre Dame, Miami, and Louisville. So it's two and three on the road. So. You got to protect this house. You know, you got a great opportunity here, but you got to take care of Georgia Tech. But definitely enjoy this win today. Uh, appreciate everybody that's always tuning in. Appreciate all the parents that I talked to um, in the hotel and, and also after the game, man. Definitely appreciate y'all's support, man. Salute to y'all. Salute to the young bulls for getting this win. Hey, man, you got to salute Coach and I again one more time. Coach Bad, Coach Hagens, all the offensive coaches, man, because they've been catching hell. So we need that same energy, man. We got to be positive and, and salute them. We got to. You got to salute them, man. I'm a realist. It's only right. It's only right. And I can't kill the defense because UNC offense legit. What I do know is Jalen Baker got to stop for us. Fourth and goal, one-on-one. Devontae, uh, Chris Moore, and uh, Joey Blunt, y'all owe me some damn push-ups. Y'all drop picks. Devontae, you dropped the pick that you could have took to the house. Chris, you dropped the pick at the end of the game that we could have just been celebrating with some popcorn like T.O. And then, Joy, I think you dropped two picks. I'm going to get Quinn to call you because he said you ain't got no hands like that. But I know you had that pink lotion in your hair after the game, though. I saw that, though. But, yeah, man, that's all I got for y'all, man. It's a ball hawk, man. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you share on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you get the platform. Share. Shout out to all the groups. Shout out to the Sabre. Shout out to everybody, man, that supported me this weekend, being up in the booth with my man Dave Kane. And I'll be back on the sideline this week, filling in for Jay James as a sideline reporter, man. I'm just trying to be that Swiss Army knife, man. Whatever they need me, I'll be ball hawk. We out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.